Remember a couple weeks back when mm-hmm. you said the statement heard around the world? Look, I want to be on record as saying I was just reflecting back what I heard you saying to me. We've lost listeners. <laughs> I've also I feel like we've gained I've listeners. also lost respect for uh-huh. you and myself a little I, bit. Look, as I said at the time, we both said things we didn't mean and we wish we could have taken back, all right? I am looking across this table to uh-huh. you and I just see you differently now. <laughs> We call it the Drama Club. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. They're hilarious. Sure. You don't think so? I mean, some people might not like us. I've read our (laughs) iTunes reviews. Some good ones. Some unsavory ones. Not taking my advice to not read the iTunes reviews, you guys. (laughs) We also do online true crime OWD Patricia and Ellen trivia once a month. It is so fun. We get together. We ask all these questions. We send out prizes. We have a drink. It's a blast. And we we invite special guests. We bring, like, great true crimers. We've had really, really great guests. We have Sarah Turney, Maggie Freeling, Daisy Egan, Jillian Pensavalli. Christopher! Christopher, yeah! Aww, our sweet Christopher. All right, before we do it, girl, tell me one good thing that happened to you this week. My cousin and brother surprised us at the live show. Remember, Joe came up on stage and surprised you? Yes. And my cousin, Alan, came over and cooked us dinner. And everyone wants to know in my DMs why you're so hot on my brother and not hot on my cousin. I'm hot on both of them. I don't know Alan's age. I can't tell. So I'm just keeping all my thoughts to myself. (laughs) It's like when the Lake Bottom came out during the live show in a Speedo and Heels. And I was like, are you 15 or 20? I don't know. I'm going to look that way. We did a lot of surprising for each other at the live show. That was really fun. What good thing happened to you this week? I I get to be here with you. You couldn't think of anything. (laughs) On to the episode. All right, you guys. Disappeared Season 5, Episode 7, Hometown Hero, tells the story of the disappearance of Margaret Haddikin McEnroe. Margaret Haddikin McEnroe has always been a fighter. When you met Margaret, you never forgot her. She's a force to be reckoned with. As a volunteer firefighter, she became a local hero when she saved a woman's life at the risk of her own. That was kind of Margaret. She was a firefighter, she became a soldier. She kind of liked action. But she is also known to have an explosive temper. She was very strong-willed. She pumped heads with a lot of people. One fall day, the young mother of three disappears without a trace. The only thing that was missing from the house was a black army duffel bag and approximately $11,000 in cash. Did Margaret leave to make a new life? Every way we went in the investigation kind of took us in a different direction. Or did her fighting spirit goad someone into foul play? After she went missing, I sat down and I said, something really bad happened. So there's a lot happening at the top here, you guys. I have never seen an opening sequence like this. <laughs> I know. We meet 29-year-old Margaret. It, we are seeing a reenactment, right? Yeah. She's boxing in a gym. We're going to learn this lady's real fit. Yeah. Fit for Jesus, is yeah. I like to say. But we're told that she's got pain throbbing in her legs, and this poor thing suffers from a chronic knee condition. And I said, girl, stop boxing. Then we learn she's about to have knee surgery next week, and I said, well, if that were me, I'd go missing too. Aww. You don't, you don't like the You don't like the meds? You don't like the pain? I'm hospitals. not so much a surgery person. No. Yeah. What if I was like, I am? You know what I love? I love yeah. traveling, sparkling white wine, and surgery. But oh, we're gonna you should he- get a heart transplant. <laughs> Be nicer. So we learn. <laughs> that was the sound of all the air getting sucked out of the room. So we learned that, y'all, Margaret... Margaret she's is tiny. She's tiny. She's tiny. And they refer to her a lot of different ways in this episode. <laughs> she's a force to be reckoned with. But in a good way. Margaret was a tomboy. Very tough firefighter, you know, in the army, tank mechanic. But that was the Margaret that everybody saw. I'll never forget walking in her house and she's sitting on the couch. You could smell that there's a roast in the oven and she's knitting. And I'm like, uh, who's this? She said, shh, you'll blow my cover. Lisa G. 
Georgia Combe oh. is her best friend and said she was a person to be reckoned with, but in a good way. Here's the thing. Lisa Giacone is here. Yeah. And she's Italian, I think. Yeah. And we learn Careful. that- Careful. You got a lot of co-hosts who are Italian. Go on. And, like, we just learned that Margaret's real feisty and she likes to fight and scream and yell. And I just thought, Lisa Giacone's not a lady I'd yell at. Yeah. She seems like she really takes Margaret in stride, but also seems like she could flip a table or throw, like, a bottle of Montepulciano across the room if you talk to her in the wrong tone. How cute are you? <laughs> but hear me now and listen later. There's nothing wrong with being a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely not. I, <laughs> He's I got fear in his eyes across <laughs> the table. <laughs> a lot of my co-hosts are Italian, also forces to be reckoned with. <laughs> <laughs> so another way that they describe young Margaret was a tomboy. And I have said this before. I hate that word. Can we replace tomboy with young feminist icon? Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't roll off the tongue as much, but I mean, we can, we can make a it catch on. Of yeah. course. It's a yif- she was a yifum. Yeah. We meet her parents. Very sweet. Patrick Papa Patrick and, and Mama Eileen. They are so sweet. Papa Patrick and Mama Eileen adopted Margaret when she was seven weeks old. And they say she had a bad temper even back then. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay, guys. Her parents, Patrick and Eileen Haddocken, remember first recognizing the force of their new daughter's personality when they brought her home from Mississippi, where they adopted her when she was seven weeks old. As the plane was landing at Newark Airport, she let out a yell. And it was a long time before she stopped yelling. Dad said that when the plane landed at Newark Airport, she let out a yell, and it was a long time before she stopped yelling. That's also how I feel when I arrive in New Jersey. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Patrick. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, what she was really saying in baby talk was, I thought this bitch landed at JFK. Yeah. No one said Newark. What? <laughs> And so when Margaret was five, the family adopted three more daughters. So that's going from one kid to four kids in a year. Yeah, and not only that, the parents, like, lived in Brooklyn. Like, how cool is that? Margaret got accepted to a gifted and talented program, and they uprooted her and moved her to New Jersey. She stopped caring about school when she got there. I mean, she's like, well, now I don't have any motivation because I I live in Jersey. (laughs) Ellen Marsh also lives in Jersey. (laughs) Patrick. Times used to also live in Jersey. Like, <laughs> New Jersey, you're just, you're an easy punching bag for you're, no reason. New Jersey and Florida. I know. We, I live in New Jersey and I vacation in Florida, but yet here we are, <laughs> consistently making you the butt of our jokes. I have, my next line is, oh no, the dad describes her as a free spirit. I know, I just wrote, she was dot, 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 a free spirit. I wrote, oh dear. And here we are. And, and that's why we we're are. here. Good night, friends. So Christopher goes, like, just out of the blue, sometimes Christopher just throws me for a loop. He goes, she often sought escape up a tree. Now, they're trying to say that she liked to climb trees, sure. but it sounded like a metaphor. Yeah. And I just had this idea that Christopher is, like, reading his script, and he's like, I'm not really going to say that. <laughs> not, I'm not going to say that. Christopher, we pay you to read the copy. <laughs> that sounds weird. She often sought escape up a tree. Her love of school was such that I had to climb a tree to get her out of the tree to bring her to school. The dad tells us, and like, look, my daughter is just like this. The dad had to like often climb a tree to get her down yeah. to get her to school. Not only did she go from gifted and talented in Brooklyn to like, I hate school in New Jersey. She didn't even want to go. She's like locked herself in the treehouse. Yeah, and, and the dad's like, going to climb up and get her. And she can get down. Right. She just doesn't want no, to. No. Yeah, just like Daisy. <laughs> Daisy's like just looking down and every time she blinks, she's just saying fuck you with her eyes. She's going to learn more in that treehouse with nothing to read than she would in the New Jersey public schools. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Oh my God, you guys, I'm just kidding. I'm sure New Jersey's very smart. We're going to get some letters. Uh, some letters. So we meet the police chief in Warren from the police department. Yeah. And he says, we knew her as a good kid, <laughs> as a fun kid. And I wrote, how much trouble did you get into, Margaret? You knew the cops? I know. At seven? I mean, I befriended the cops recently, too, but yeah. that was much later yeah, in my life. <laughs> and they say she had a lot of spunk. I was like, okay, everyone. Mm-hmm. Say what you mean. Yeah. She was a lot. The feisty and active Margaret first drew the attention of local cops in her early teens. Lieutenant Bobby Glenn remembers Margaret from the days when he was a 20-year-old rookie on patrol. 
My patrol car got egged on Mischief Night one Halloween many, many years ago. Um, she was found walking in the area. Uh, can never prove that it was her, but deep down inside, I know it was Margaret. He's saying it with a smile. Like, everyone really liked her. And guys, like, Margaret is like a shit starter. Yeah, she totally is. Except he said that, but you're reading it slightly wrong. I know you were kicked out of drama school. But he You read love it. bringing that up. <laughs> love it. As I always say, joke's on you. I was never accepted. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, it's kind of like. I went to Emerson anyway thinking I'm going to be that kid that they're, they're going to let in for a year too. They're no. going to be like, you know what? That, we made a mistake with that guy. No. No one noticed you were there. No. Uh, we, were, we hit that nail right on the head. Yeah. No. Fact. We need an ass end of the cow. <laughs> me. Me. Oh, me. That so, was, you guys, I was, I would have done anything. So, no, what he said was, my car got egged, and he's like cheeky, like mysteriously yeah. one night. I mean, we could never prove it. I knew it was Margaret. <laughs> like, he got just a totally. weepsy bit pissed it at the memory of it. It was very Spornakian, yeah. you know what I mean? So, in 1999, at the age of 21, Margaret becomes a fully trained volunteer firefighter for the Washington Valley Fire Department. That is so admirable. Only one of three women. Yeah, it's amazing. And best friend Lisa, who could easily probably beat Margaret's ass, yeah. but never did. She's like, you know what? I'm going to let her be the crazy one, yeah. which I feel like is the same decision you made with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let, let, let yeah. him do the talking. I could go crazy, but let him do it. Yeah. <laughs> Way more fun to be a spectator. <laughs> she didn't care if it was a blaze. If it was inside a building, she was going in. And she was a great firefighter. The guys had no problem going in that fire with a woman. They knew Margaret had them covered. And they covered her, too. But she's saying, best friend Lisa's like, the bigger the fire, the better. She was going in no matter what. She reminds me of my sister, Becca. Like, very cool. Yeah. Like, loves the hang with the dudes. And, like, you know, I, I just love her. I think she's cool. So, Hurricane Floyd hit. I just have one more thing to say. Okay. I'm not going into a fire for anyone but Daisy. That's it. If there's a fire and anyone else is in that building, I can see my kid outside. Sorry, you're going to burn with the pl- I'm not coming in for you. Yeah. So, real quick, while we're stopped. Sure. Um, <laughs> Sure. Did you think mm-hmm. me or anyone yes. else had any question that if there was a burning building, yeah. there would be anyone that we would ask? Would it, would it ever come I down know. to you, my love? No, I feel like if we were in the middle of nowhere uh-huh. and you somehow ended up in a burning building and yeah. you're on the third floor. I'd be floor, like, I got it. Hey, Warren, if you saw me from the outside yeah. and the building's really on fire, yeah. you'd just wave goodbye. Yeah, I'd be like, love you, Tell bye. Lo- <laughs> Keep up with the Instagram because I can't do it from hell. Keep the besties stories going without me. Yeah, uh, babe, thank you for yeah. you. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. I, I just like to be honest, so we know what we're getting ourselves into. I'm also I not always... helping you move. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Patrick was moving some furniture out of his house. He's like, do you want this? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, to be clear, you can have this. Yeah. I will not be touching it yep. going out of my house yep. or into yours. And I said to you later, if I happen to be home when you come over I'll to open get the this door. Stuff, I'm not helping. Yeah. And if you are here with nobody, I'm still not helping. I want it. I've been saying it for nine months. Yeah. And when I find we I still have the stuff in my house. We haven't moved yet. Yeah. When that day comes, I love you so much. Yeah. I'm not helping. Yeah, sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving me your information I already know. You guys, it's on the record. When she gets real mad and does a teary story about it, remember I said it four times. I want you to have it. I'm slightly in touch with my emotions. What of it? You are real in touch with your emotions. I'm very weepy. (laughs) When Hurricane Floyd struck that same year, she saved a woman swept from a bridge by a flooding stream. Margaret actually was able to save uh, one of the people by jumping into the river tying the woman up with her suspenders from her fire gear and and waiting there for several hours until she was pulled to safety. Margaret can't swim. How do you go in water that's rushing past in a flood and you can't swim? But Margaret never thought of that. Margaret thought about saving people. So during the hurricane, she saved a woman's life in the flood. Now listen to what happened. She went in the water, got this woman to safety, Here's what, though. Yeah. Good friend Lisa tells us. She didn't know how to swim. Margaret can swim. To which I said, yeah. no way yes. does a firefighter not know how to swim. I googed it. 
firefighters don't need to know how to swim. Let me tell you this. I went to Daisy's swimming lesson for the first time the other day. Steve usually takes her. In one of the lanes, there was an adult swimming class. Yeah. You guys, it's never too late. Learn how to swim. Please. Honest to God. You never know when you're going to be at like a gay pride party by yeah. a pool and some bitch with a Cosmo knocks you in the pool by accident. Do you know drowning is the sixth leading cause of <gasps> unintentional injury death for people of all ages? Yeah. And by the way, if I'm at that gay pride party with you, this is what it's going to sound like. I'm not saving her. Yeah. Somebody else say I'm not doing. I said I wasn't going to do this. Yeah. Sweetheart, again. Yeah. (laughs) You think, do you Mm -hmm. think anyone has their shocked face on? (laughs) Just, I love you so much. Yeah. But no one has their shocked face on. I'm not putting my drink down. Yeah, no. So she couldn't swim. So basically she rescued this woman. Yeah. And then she's like, also, (laughs) little help. (laughs) Little help down here. (laughs) Turns out. I am a firefighter and I can't swim. I didn't need to. Yeah. I checked before I applied. Yeah. And like, she's amazing. She yes. gets like a, a medal of valor, honor, whatever. Yes. It was a very, very big deal. Yeah. But her impetuous nature could also alienate people. When her temper unraveled, her fury was unleashed on friends and family. Though her closest friends and family accept her temper as part of her nature, it wreaks havoc on other relationships. It broke up her engagement to the father of her first child, Sarah. Margaret and uh, the father of Sarah were very close to getting married. And then there was a disagreement, and that was that. I mean, they just say over and over and over again that Heather had a real bad temper. So much so that she broke up with the father of her first child right before they got married. I mean, that had to be one hell of a fight. The dad is like, the kid was on the way. They had one fight, and that was it. Yeah, and they were were like, like, we have, but we have the deposit on the hall, the caterer. And the guy's like, I don't care. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. The photographer deposit is (laughs) non-refundable. And he was like, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, she sounds like she gets mad like I would get mad in my 30s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or two Tuesdays ago. Either one. <laughs> on we go. Uh, and we, on we go and we to go. September 11th. So after yeah. we're yeah. Let's on talk we about go. September 11th on our comedy <laughs> podcast. Look, I Anything didn't do Anything else it. you want to bring up? It's not my fault. Ideas making us. We learn after September 11th, Margaret left Sarah, her daughter, with her parents and enlisted in the army. And she thrived. And she loved it. She loved the structure. She loved the discipline. I say good on you. Yeah, and we learned that after two years, she receives a medical discharge and comes home. I guess that's where she got the real From bad her knees. knees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked that up. There's a website. If ever you don't know something, yeah. you can go to www.doyoufuckingknowwhatgoogleis.com. Yeah, the difference is I know everything, yeah. so I never need right. that. But thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here for you. <laughs> So in 2004, we just real, real fast forward. She moves in with Tim McEnroe. Yeah, he's another volunteer firefighter. They have a daughter together named Emily. And then Margaret gets pregnant again and they get married. And they have another daughter named Melissa in 2006. And Melissa's born premature. And so Margaret is described as being very overprotective. I described that as parenting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And she, like, you know, she, like, wanted to always be around baby Melissa. Like, you know, she had some real health concerns. Right. So she gave up firefighting to stay home with her three daughters. So now we're at Monday, October 9th, 2006. What? We're told it's Columbus Day. Who knows that shit? Well, she visits her dad because her dad loves Columbus Day. (laughs) Everybody knows that Patrick loves Columbus Day. I just, we're like, Christopher's like, he gives us a date, then he tells us it's Columbus Day. I was like, okay. Okay. Great. It could have been Thanksgiving. I wouldn't have known. Is there a sale? I know. (laughs) Are electronics on discount at Best Buy? Is that the one you're not supposed to wear white after? I can't keep it straight. Do we get pinched? Right. I don't know. You know what I said? Is that the day Columbus discovered the gap? (laughs) Call back! Some new person is listening to the podcast going, these guys are idiots. The gap? I hate these two. One star. But her dad says she was super antsy that day, but she was always antsy. And she had asked the dad to take her to the orthopedist. And he's like, sure, fine. And she's like, before we go, though, I haven't like had a tantrum in a minute. Yeah. I need to call and scream at my husband. <laughs> yeah. His daughter makes a call to her husband and begins angrily pacing the floor, getting more and more worked up. Finally, she hangs up on him. And she said something to the effect of, I'm going to divorce my bleeping husband. She was very agitated. 
Patrick Haddikin dismisses the outburst as just a typical spurt of Margaret's temper. The dad dismisses it as her just being another hysterical woman. Mm-hmm. The dad's like, she didn't mean it. But, you know, I mean, the I The misogyny's do... coming from inside the house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Margaret probably had some, like, undiagnosed yeah. mental health issues. I'm yeah. not a doctor, but just from the experience, it seems like there's more going on here. Well, yeah, we talked about this off mic. They do, in a kind of loving way, say that she had trouble controlling her temper. Yes, exactly. And, you, know, uh, you know, we all have, you know, slight bursts of anger and stuff, but... It does seem habitual, and I do think that they weren't talking about a lot, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, and so Margaret and her husband, Tim, are fighting. It's the same night that they have that big fight, and she calls her mom, and she's like, oh, I'm leaving this guy. Can I bring my kids and come stay with you indefinitely? And right. mom is like, absolutely. Right. And, and she's like, wait, I'm not coming tonight. I, I got too much to do. I'm not packed, but I am coming tomorrow. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I okay, said, fine. I said, yes. And the mom tells us that that's the last time they ever talk. So, like, now it's the next day. It's Tuesday, October 10th, 2006. It's the day after that big fight with Tim and I just wrote Tim where are you girl why aren't you in this episode girl not in this episode not in this episode but when Margaret doesn't show up the next day the family to her mom's house yeah doesn't show up remember they're cleaning their kitchens yeah (laughs) we got a lot of feedback on that today our episode came out and people were like I was shook to hear you say they're not listening they're cleaning their kitchens as I was cleaning Cleaning my my kitchen kitchen. I told you they're only half listening you guys I know my role in your life you guys I know my role what the Haddikins don't know is that the fight between Margaret and her husband, Tim McEnroe, the previous afternoon, had been a protracted one, verging on violence. Margaret was the type of person, if she's mad and she's fighting with you, she's gonna scream, she's gonna yell, she might strike you. And I know that that was the kind of argument that they had had on Monday. Margaret doesn't show up the next day to her mom and dad's house, and the family's like, well, I guess she calmed down and everything's fine. And best friend Lisa, with yeah. a smile, was like, well. <laughs> Here's the might, thing about fighting with Margaret. She might strike you. And I said, <laughs> strike Str- you? She might fucking strike. To which I said, best friend Lisa Giacone, I can't believe that she and Margaret have not come to fisticuffs on a handful of occasions. Strike Str- you? But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's not okay. Like, yeah. that is for sure being out of control. And so there's more going on there. And, and we learn that, like, this fight that Margaret had with Tim, her husband, when she got home, was pretty bad. Like, yeah. Margaret's cell phone had been broken. Tim called the cops. And when the cops got there, Tim goes out to meet the cops in the driveway because Margaret's gone. And we know that she did leave because she sees people after this fight. But I thought it was suspicious that Tim, like, called the police but then ran out to meet yeah. them in the driveway and, like, quickly defused the situation. Yeah, he's like, no biggie. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Just a little disagreement. You want some lemonade? <laughs> but yeah. you can't come in. You can't come in. Yeah. I'll get it. Nope. Stay right there. Nope. No report. No. Nope. Yeah. We just uh, just a little uh, did a little argument. And right. they're like, you called us, though. We do see Margaret again. Margaret's friend Lisa says that later that Monday evening, a very distressed Margaret calls her from the firehouse. She had told me about a fight that had happened at the house, that she had walked out. She wasn't going to fight anymore. I said, well, you know what? It's getting late. I said, go home. I said, are you okay? She said, I'm fine. I'm just angry. And she was screaming and yelling on the phone. At this point, Margaret is me, where she's like, I'm not even mad anymore. Yeah. I just can't go home right now. No, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> she's like, she was screaming that she was fine yeah. and that she was not angry. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Margaret, I, I see a lot of myself in you, Margaret. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I just cry. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Someone once said, they were like, yeah, Ellen has a temper. And then Courtney, you know Courtney. Yeah. Courtney was like, then you don't know Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen you, doesn't yell. She cries. You know the quickest way to lose an argument? Be the one screaming while the other one is crying. <laughs> That's the quickest way to lose an argument, you guys. I don't yell. I just cry. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So now it's Both Tuesday. healthy forms of communication. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's Tuesday, October 10th. It's like a day or two after that big fight. And- that morning, Margaret calls Lisa again. And Lisa, best friend, like says, Margaret gave me like a wicked laugh. And she just goes, oh, no, what did you do? And I I just had a flash of the number of times I've had to convince you yep. not to hack guys' Instagram, mm-hmm. post a dick pic that mm-hmm. he sent you, yeah. and then change his password yeah. so that he can't get into it. To be fair, that happened once. <laughs> I think once is enough. But I think once is a I lot. was very mad at you for not getting on board because I called you specifically because I thought you would. Yes. And then you said... Ellen, mm-hmm. let's think this through. Yeah, because this and I was case, like, well, I'm going to do it without you. This case ended up in front of a judge. <laughs> and you were glad then that I talked you off the ledge, weren't you? Weren't you? Fact. <laughs> I was not on trial. No. <laughs> to be clear. According to Lisa, Margaret announces that she has gone on strike for that morning. 
She says her husband claims she does nothing all day. So she decided to leave it to him to tend to the kids and take the two older ones to school and daycare. Lisa isn't surprised by her friend's provocative actions and makes plans to go shopping with Margaret later that afternoon. So Margaret tells Lisa, she's like, listen, I'm on strike and I'm not doing anything. And Margaret thinks it's hilarious. I know. Like she thinks that she has figured out, she goes, let's go shopping. But you know what? If you're the stay-at-home parent and your like partner or spouse tells you that you don't do anything all day, fuck that person. No, absolutely. I mean, that is a huge conversation. That is a full-time job. And she didn't feel- Oh, and a half. I mean, it's three kids. Yeah. One of them was like a preemie baby that needs like extra, like, no. No, fuck that guy. So the weird thing was, while she was talking to Lisa, Lisa's like, yeah, let's go shopping. Take a day off. Let him fucking take care of it. Then she abruptly hangs up the phone. Is like, Tim's here. And then, like, hangs up the phone. Which just seems out of character. You know what I mean? And Lisa's like, okay, I'll talk to you in a minute. And and that's the last time Lisa ever talked to her. So 1 p.m. rolls around. Same day. Yes. And now- Remember, they're cleaning their kitchens. Yeah. (laughs) Say, hi, guys. (laughs) Yeah. No, microwave the sponge. Microwave the sponge. It's a hack. I know. Oh, it's annoying, but preset the coffee for tomorrow. I know Just you've been looking it. at the coffee maker all morning thinking I'm going to preset, and then you don't, but when you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll be glad you did. We love you. That afternoon, according to Margaret's husband, Tim, he is at a landscaping job when he gets a call from her. She tells him they are out of baby formula and asks him to run out and get some and bring it home. He does so, arriving about 1.30. He quickly leaves again to run some errands. When he returns around three o'clock, the house feels strangely empty. He calls for his wife, but gets no response. After going to air quotes, do the errands, he returns home around three. This is his story. His story. Yeah. He says that the house felt strangely empty. He calls for his wife. She's not around. He searches the house and finds the youngest in the crib, but there's no sign of Margaret. So then Lisa was like, yeah, also, I didn't hear back about shopping, but I just thought like she forgot. And I was like, who are you people that do not communicate your change of plans? I know. I always communicate a change of plans. I agree, but she said, like Lisa says, when you have babies, plans change all the time and that that's true I do think it's rude and so I it's 2006 I don't remember if texting was as much of a thing back then or whatever but like yeah I agree let people know where you where you're gonna be where you're not gonna be I'm just saying if you don't show up at my house I yeah. can and will call the cops I mean as we stated in the live show when we left the last time we did trivia and you didn't text me back in three minutes I said if you don't text me back I will call the police I'm gonna post that picture actually <laughs> you guys I was yeah. serious and I was actually mad <laughs> So we're at Wednesday, October 11th, 2006 at 3 p.m. This is the next day. Yeah. Lisa gets a call from Tim's mom. So Tim is Margaret's, they're cleaning the kitchen. Tim is Margaret's <laughs> husband and his mother, they've moved to the bathroom. If they have questions, they can watch the show. They're like, wait a I know, minute. I know. These two don't explain it well enough. <laughs> I see you, iTunes. So Tim's mother calls Lisa. Right. How does she have the number? We don't know. It's Jersey. Yeah, Jersey. Everybody, every everything is legal in New you Jersey. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Lisa. Yeah. You know who will know that number? Yeah. Lisa. <laughs> and so... The mother is saying to Lisa, have you seen Margaret? She apparently ran off. Right. And she's like, also, sidebar, Lisa, don't tell Tim we're talking right <sighs> yeah, now. Yeah, because she's missing and Tim doesn't want anyone to know. Lisa is all of us. Because yeah. she's like, bitch, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? She's like, wait, I'm sorry. Go back. Did you say Margaret's gone? And she's right. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say anything. Yeah. Just, yeah. And then right. Margaret's like, I mean, Lisa goes, where is the baby? What? I'm like, all these questions. And Tim's mom's like, you know what? You're the wrong person to call. I thought I could call and talk to you about this. Yeah. Clearly I can't. Lisa can't believe Margaret would go off and leave the baby alone in the house with no one to take care of her. It didn't make any sense. You know, if they called and said, Margaret's gone, Melissa's gone, Emily's gone, Sarah's gone, I'd be like, hm, she's got to cool off. I didn't believe that she walked off and left Melissa. Melissa was an infant. Margaret did not leave her house and leave this baby. And Lisa's like, look, there's no way she would have run off. If Tim's mom called me and was like, Margaret and all the children are gone, Lisa's like, that I'd believe. Right, right, (laughs) yeah. So then she was like, did you call the cops? He's like, nah, I'm just calling friends. And Lisa goes, wait, why? And he's like, well, they're going to make me wait 24 hours. Yeah. And I was like, but if you wait 24 hours to call, then you call, then they wait 24 hours. I'm no math magician, but that's 48 hours. Did you say 
math the magician. Yeah. But that's what happens. Tim waits 48 hours to call the cops. This is where we learned that she, that we hear this all the time. Especially like in the early, late, late 90s, early 2000s yeah, episodes. She ran away. She ran away a couple times. Yeah. One time she ran away for a week and Papa Patrick says it like he's listing off his grocery list. She hitched rides up and down the East Coast. She was 15. 15. Papa Patrick is telling a story about when she was a fucking minor. Yeah. Over my dead body. Yeah. She goes, fine, then I'll just leave. And she left. And the way he says it, the casual nature in which he said this, where he was like, yeah, she just hitched rides everywhere. Right. And then we we know this because one of the truck drivers she hitched a ride from called the dad and was like, I got your kid. I'm bringing her back. And I feel like the conversation went like this. You know what? I was going to fucking murder this kid. But I decided instead I'm going to bring her back. This is very unsafe, America. This is very, very, very unsafe. When your 15-year-old tells you that they're going to leave and then they try to, you don't let them. And you know what? You don't have to let them. You just, what are you going to do? You're just going to lay in the hallway? Yeah, Not let him get it, on the elevator? What's the other option? You let them hitch up and down the East Coast? I, I, you're saying this like I have let my daughter do this. I'm telling you, Daisy, don't test me on this. Don't test me on this. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> So then Tim decides... Tim the husband. Tim, they're cleaning the bathroom now. Tim the husband decides to mosey on over to make a report on Thursday. Yeah. So then a couple days pass. Now, nobody is taking this seriously for a couple reasons. Right. Number one, Tim isn't taking it seriously. Right. Number two, she's hitchhiked up and down the eastern seaboard. She was 15 yeah, over and my dead no, body. But, and everyone's like, ah, that's just Margaret being Margaret. She just right. needs some time to cool down. <laughs> Everybody loves Margaret. Yeah. So around August 16th, like a week later, they kind of look at each other and they're like, should we investigate this? Yeah. On Monday, October 16th, six days after Margaret disappeared, Lieutenant Bobby Glenn opens an intensive investigation into the disappearance. Detectives call Margaret's mother, Eileen, to ask if her parents know where she is. At this point, the Haddockens still have no idea their daughter is missing, although Eileen has been trying to reach Margaret since Tuesday. On Monday, yeah. they call the parents, and the parents are like, this is all fucking news to us. Yeah, they're like, say what? Yeah. So they search Tim's house, they search his computer, which is great. And, and he lets them. Right. But they remind us it's been over a week that she's been missing. Right. So they're like, this is not looking good. Well, and the cop says, you know, at that point you're playing catch up, which is just not a good place. It's not where you want to be. And I was like, that's your own fault. You've known she's been missing for days and days and days. Right. And now you're doing something about it, and now you're playing catch up because you're own lackadaisical approach to this case. It's just Margaret. I'm right. Everybody knows Margaret. Remember, you know, remember the egging? You remember when she <laughs> egged my house at Halloween? They're not from the South. I just made that up. But my thing is, like Lisa says, if the kids were gone, I would agree. Margaret took off, whatever. She's not going to leave her fucking kids. Yeah. You know? This is super weird. When they go to the house, remember how they got in that really big altercation when the cops were called? Yeah, and, and then the cops like thrown. stayed in the driveway. Yeah, and they're like, okay, nothing to see here. Great, yeah. we'll, we'll go to the donkeys. So it's there and it's as if they didn't even really clean up after the fight. Like the broken phone is in the garbage. And like, I mean, I have like 72 broken phones in my house. I yeah. don't know what to do with them. They just sit in a plastic box, but I'm pretty sure I'm not throwing it in the garbage but can. But the, the point is, that was a week ago that this fight happened. So right. the Garbage has not been taken out in three days. Think about that. It's a grown man and three young kids. Yeah. Think about the food and the diapers. And, like, the garbage has not been taken out in three days. And the cops are like, that's kind of fucking weird. It seems like he left it there as evidence so yeah. that he could say, she broke her phone and she didn't take it with her. And I'm not trying to hide anything. Like, the cops find this all very suspicious. Sergeant Louis DeMeo is an investigator with the Somerset County Prosecutor. His office was called into the investigation six days after Margaret Haddock and McEnroe went missing. He says Tim McEnroe told investigators that the phone wasn't all Margaret threw at him. He came up and started saying she threw a knife at me, that kind of thing. I thought it was kind of strange he left all the stuff laying around like he was waiting to explain it. So we meet Louis DeMeo, who's called in to investigate. And Tim was like, yeah, she threw that phone. She also threw this knife. See this knife I haven't moved from the floor right. since she allegedly threw it? Yeah. Like, unless you were waiting for someone to come look at this semi-stage scene, yeah. 
pick up the fucking knife. Why did you leave the knife on the ground? Right. And so, like, of course now the cops are looking at Tim. And I was like, thank God. And they're saying that, like, of course they're looking at him. He's the husband. There was that domestic violence call that happened, like, a week ago. And Tim's being super cagey. He doesn't want to answer any probing questions. He And they keep saying he doesn't seem upset enough. This I don't like. Yeah. I'm on the record. I don't think you can, like, I've done enough of these documentaries where, like, the guy who wasn't upset ended up not being the murderer. Yeah. Like, or isn't acting upset. You can't judge if somebody's a murderer or not based on the way they're acting. Like, this guy's- evidence. Yeah. And I mean, he's also saying, like- The very Tim, Scott Peterson of it all. But, the very yeah. Scott Peterson of it all. The guy, Tim, is also saying his story is that he thinks she ran off on him. Right. He thinks she's still alive and she ran off on him. That's very Drew Peterson yeah. and total bullshit. But if, if that's true, if he really does believe that, then of course he's not upset. He's mad. Right. You know? Right. And you can't really ever gauge someone's sorrow, confusion, yeah. disbelief. Like, you can do like a chart of Petersons, and I'm glad that we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard to keep it straight, but once you get it down, you can really connect any case to a Peterson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone, if you could just stay away from Petersons, right. just in general, <laughs> just for good measure. Investigators notice that most of Margaret's possessions are still in her home. Her broken cell phone, credit cards, and new car have all been left behind. It didn't appear that she really took anything. We went through her belongings. One of the things that seemed to be missing was an army duffel bag that she had from her time in the military. She needed knee braces. Those were still in the house. Didn't appear that much of any type of clothing was missing. Everything was left in the home. Essentials like... all like, the things that she would need if she took off on this guy. Right. Except, and this is super weird, they said that she took an army duffel bag. Well, but, they say the army duffel bag is missing. Right. And it sounds small, but when we see what it actually was, it's big enough to put a fucking body in. Right. And yeah. so that's what the cops are saying. Like, I think it's really weird the, that the only thing missing from this house is a bag big enough to put a body in. Like, if she really ran off on him, like, she's, like Tim is saying, she would have needed clothes... She her also, knee her braces. Knee braces. Yeah, yeah, she was about to get surgery on her knees. Yeah. And they were real bad. And her knee braces were left there. And everything, all of her clothes were there. She hadn't packed anything. Then Tim throws this little nugget. And now says, we have to do this bullshit. Let's just like do this in one second. Yeah. I mean, he said, well, you know, she had mentioned dying by suicide. And then people start talking about her postpartum depression. Yeah. And how much she was mentally struggling and how she was overwhelmed with postpartum depression. Now, listen, postpartum depression. Depression is totally real. Is, uh, it is not a character flaw. It is not a weakness. It is absolutely a form of major depression, major mental health. It should not be thrown around. But also, I do think these problems stemmed, her parents said from her childhood, yes. I do think it does seem like she struggled from mental health. She could have struggled from postpartum, but throwing all of those little nuggets yeah. out to make it seem like she had done something is just bullshit And to also, me. like, Tim, then what is it? Did she run off on you or did she die by suicide, yeah. girl? Like, what's your fucking story? Also, it needs to be said, this is a small town. All these cops know her. Yeah. And they, like, they've like they known her for decades, literally. Yeah. And they quickly rule out suicide. I was like, we're not going to do this exactly. for the rest of the episode, Yeah, right? I just thought that was, like, super cheap. But you All know what we say. are going to do, though? We're, we're going to do this she left on purpose thing. Yeah. She maybe left on purpose. Let's, let's do that for a little while. One theory, that Margaret simply walked out, seems to be backed up with some surprising information from her husband. Tim McEnroe tells authorities that a large sum of cash in the thousands of dollars is missing from the house. He believes she took the money, that she took off on him. He's a landscaper, they deal with cash. But it seemed kind of strange that nothing else was missing but some money. And so, the, like, on this whole, like, maybe she went missing on purpose thing, he's like, oh, yeah, she maybe died by suicide. She maybe ran away on me, but she definitely took $11,000 in cash. She took $11,000 in cash, but not the kids, Tim. I don't think so, girl. Yeah, and I was I was also thinking, like, why do you have so much cash, dude? Like, yeah. what? And they were like, well, he's a landscaper. And right. I was like, look, what? I grew up on Cape Cod, the land of landscapers. I don't know a single landscaper that's just got 11 grand in cash lying. They, <laughs> like, landscapers were work really hard, but it's like $11,000 in cash? Like, somebody paid you in cash for your job? Also, we live in a concrete jungle. I yeah. don't know any landscapers, I know. but I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe like, they're super cash rich. Li- I don't listen, know. Listen, like, a hundred kids I went to high school with all have landscaping businesses. Because, oh. like, you need that shit on Cape Cod. So, here are the weird things, just to recap. The duffel bag is gone. Some, maybe some cash. She doesn't have her phone. She doesn't have credit cards. They have no evidence of anything. So, they start to look into her past a little bit. 
look, I've got a thing we need to talk about here. Yeah. We knew that she was adopted. And so when she was at 18 years old, she had hired a detective to locate her birth parents. And so the question is like, did she go to them? They contact the birth parents. They haven't heard from her. They don't know where she is. And we learn that at birth, she had a different name. And she used sometimes would use that name as another identity. They say that her birth name was Sherwood Haley. Mm-hmm. And I said, are they saying that backwards? Haley Sherwood? Like, Sherwood as like a name for a little Sherwood Haley. I was convinced they were saying it backwards. I didn't think of that. But yeah, Sherwood. <laughs> <laughs> Haley. Sherwood sure, sure for like a little girl. Look, I like name your kids whatever you want. Yeah. You know what isn't a weird name for a little girl? Haley. Yeah. <laughs> Sherwood Haley. Guys, I think you're saying it backwards. <laughs> They're like, we did, but we're not going back. <laughs> you know how they are at ID. But they say it like, like the cops say it again. Down They're like, yeah, we did look into her other identity, Sherwood Haley. Guys, I think it's Sherwood, comma, Haley. <laughs> I think you're saying it backwards. Her birth name was Sherwood Haley. And she would use that name for like things like Facebook or stuff where she didn't want people to know really that it was her. I'm so famous. You know what my name is on Facebook? Patrick Hines. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Mags, who are you hiding from? I know. Who's, who's really beating down that Facebook door that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to change my name. I can't handle the pressure right now. It's just too many friend requests. I will say that like being in the in the world that we're in with like Broadway and living in New York and like knowing actors, I will sometimes get like pretty famous people suggested to me as friends. Right. Like it's Deborah Messing. This literally, ha- I got Deborah Messing suggested to me as a friend because I have enough mutual friends right. with her and her name is like obviously a fake name yeah. and it's like oh that's what your fake name oh, is oh, that's oh what interesting fa- she's just making catfish accounts to fight <laughs> online with people about politics so they question Sarah's dad now Sarah was her firstborn. yeah so they question Sarah's dad he has an airtight alibi and they're like okay so the house wasn't broken into and Papa Patrick said you know there would have been blood or well, like another person because they're blood. saying like what are the other options for how she could have gone missing. Like, is it possible that someone broke in and kidnapped right. her? Right. And, like, everyone is literally saying, we know that didn't happen because she would have beat that guy's ass. Did they? Did we mention she's spunky? I know. Did we mention she's fiery and feisty? But like, literally, the dad is like, oh, no, 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 no. Margaret will fucking cut you. Totally. Yeah. So, please, please don't. Can you edit that out? Because just in case she sees this, <laughs> I don't want her to know I said that. You're going to edit that? Promise? I, okay, great. Because you know how we always are saying, like, we're not going to search for that person because the place they went missing from, there's, like, no evidence that a struggle happened. I feel like they're like, oh, it wouldn't have been the case with Margaret. Yeah. <laughs> there would have been, like, the glass front door would have been kicked out. Yeah. The, like, the actual kidnapper would be dead. Yeah, the kidnapper would be on, on disappeared, yeah. being like, I mean, she didn't have to go that far. <laughs> like, she broke my arm. <laughs> like, sir, you kidnapped her. You, yeah, but, I'm- like... It- Honestly, she's really mean about it. I just, I don't know. She just went too far. She just really took it to the next level. So now we're on Thanksgiving in 2006. A cop from a neighboring town reports a male acting suspiciously on the side of the road. Now, to give you a visual. You guys, to like really illustrate that this guy was acting real weird. This like reenactment actor cop is driving down the road. This guy walking down the road flings his body yeah. over the side of a guardrail. Yeah, it's kind of like part Greg Luganis, part Simone Biles. He's just like, they were like, all right, so now yeah. uh, jump over the partition. Right. And he, I would go like foot yeah. over, yeah. foot over. He really commits. This guy was like, meow. Yeah, he meowed the over. The only suspicious thing he did was jump over the guardrail. Yeah. He was just walking. Yeah. Not suspicious. And we're going to action. And he just like goes, I'm like, the fuck was that? I just said to go over the guardrail. You know what? It looked weird enough. We'll call it suspicious. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, next shot. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pick up back at the house. Great work, everybody. Yeah. Great work. It was a suspicious. Yeah, that's a little more than suspicious. And I got to tell you, when I had to re-watch this episode today, I watched it on double speed. And watching did. that guy tank over the thing at double speed was real funny. Do you ever just watch it on regular speed? I watch it one time at regular speed, and then I speed it up. Okay. And I sometimes think, wow, everyone talks real slow in these things. <laughs> A dispatcher sends out a patrol, but the man is gone. Two officers search the area and find an army t-shirt lying on the pavement. Those two officers then recovered that shirt, uh, then took it to the McEnroe residence where they showed Tim McEnroe the the shirt and he positively identified it as being one of the t-shirts that belonged to Margaret. 
So the cop who originally saw the suspicious diving man (laughs) wasn't a cop from Warren. So he calls the Warren cops, and they come out there, and they find this army T-shirt on the pavement. And we didn't mention this before. One of the things that, like, when she went missing, the guy, Tim, the husband's like, she was wearing a pair of pajama pants and an army T-shirt. Right. Really dressing up to run off with some other dude, Tim. Right. Get your fucking story straight, you idiot. So they take the T-shirt to the McEnroe house, and it 100% belonged to Margaret. Fast forward... No DNA is found on it, and it's very Mike Williams. And everybody says, like, all the cops are like, that T-shirt looked like it was just put there yesterday. Like, yeah. the cops are saying in no uncertain terms, it looks like it was planted there. Yeah. And they're like, it was her shirt. So wh- whoever has her or her, like, put this shirt there to throw them off. But it was a shirt that she would have been wearing because there was not a speck of DNA. There was, right. like, no hair, no yeah. skin, no blood, no sweat, nothing to prove that it was Margaret's other than... She had a shirt just like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. By the way, is anyone looking into the fucking cop yeah. that saw the weird dude? Like, prove to me that the weird dude was ever there. Like, we never found that guy, but you know what we did find? Her fucking shirt. Yeah. Has anyone interviewed the cop? Sometimes the answer is so obvious. I know. It's not the husband at all. We're going to find out. That area was searched repeatedly. Um, this T-shirt was found on the paved portion of the roadway. There's no way that numerous searchers, police officers, would have missed that T-shirt. It didn't look like it had been laying out very long. Didn't make any sense. Why would somebody throw that out there? Unless it was a red herring or something. They say it plain as day that they say it looked like someone planted that shirt there. Yeah. Because they didn't say that in the Mike Williams episode. They kind of alluded to it. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were like, nope, someone planted that shirt there. So then they refocus on husband Tim. Yeah, and the cops really think that some sort of foul play happened. Because the relationship was super volatile. So Lisa, best friend Lisa, calls Tim on the phone. And she like confronts. I'm like, Lisa, you didn't need to record this call, girl. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, so like, tell me about that fight that night. Right. And you two fought. Was she kicking? Was she screaming? And then she was like, I don't know what happened. Did they fight? Did she hit her head? She says she you said know. this to Mike. Like, Mike, I can see it. I can see you. Like, she's in your face. She's hitting you. Yeah. You made, did you shove her? Did she fall and hit her head? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like, for my money, this guy did it. Yeah. And we'll get there in a minute. But I'm like, how do these idiots, if, like, if he did it, if Scott Peterson did it, how do these people, like, create the perfect murder where there's no evidence and they never get fucking caught? Yeah. Detectives notice that Mac. McEnroe keeps changing his story about the amount of cash he says went missing with his wife. Over time, he ended up telling people different denominations of, of money that was taken. I think one was 6000 9000 11000 was the original. We were never uh, really able to prove that the money even existed or was missing from the house. So then the detectives say, even more so, the numbers of the magical money that he said was missing yeah. change. And I'm like, keep track of your lies. I know. If you're going <laughs> to lie, I know. write it down. I honestly thought, because you guys have heard me say Ellen is my most like fiscally responsible friend. I thought you were going to be mad at him for having all that cash around and not like depositing it and making it work for itself. Well, also, I'd, <laughs> I'd never be mad at a little cash under the mattress. You know what I mean? I am Italian. <laughs> But also, here's the gag with cash. No one can prove or trace that money because it's cash. Right. This is all so easy to me. Yeah. Show me the customer that paid you the 11 grand and then we'll believe you that you don't have it anymore. Right. Because part of me was like, is he just trying to get away with not paying taxes on that money? I mean. You know what I mean? (laughs) Is that really spoke to you? (laughs) So the only thing in his timeline that does track is the purchase of the formula. For whatever, I don't think that lets him off any kind of hook. There is a receipt that checks out. But, like, that's not the part of the time that's weird. If you go back to that story, they had that big fight. Like, he goes off to work a landscaping gig. She called him and was like, we're out of formula. And he's like, I went and got it. I brought it home. He's got a receipt to prove that. But the next part of that story is that he goes and does air for yeah. two hours. Fine, you got the formula. I believe that. What'd you do for the next two hours, sis? Yeah. Where's your receipt that like shows that you weren't murdering your wife during that time? Also, they never talked about phone records to uh-huh. see that 1 p.m. call. Yeah. Or was he just creating an alibi? Exactly. Was he creating his own timeline? Did we mention Tim's not here? Right. <laughs> I just Tim, wanna, where are you, girl? Just want 
it. Why aren't you in the episode? I, I mean, listen, if I didn't do something, I'd be screaming and hollering and, you know, telling everyone that I didn't do it. And they say that, like, you know, like, the case just starts to go cold. And they say that, like, over time, there's sightings of her, like, in Alaska, in Georgia. One of the cops was like, she was like Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Papa Patrick thinks he sees her someplace. And he breaks down old men crying. It's really sad. He's the dad of a missing kid. And so I can imagine. Yeah. He, like, thought he saw her on a golf cart once. And he's like, I knew in my brain it wasn't her. But for just a second, it was her. Yeah. And, it, like, he can't get through the story now. And, it's yeah. the Fred Murray of it all. And he just breaks down. And, oh, my God, I cannot. So, like, years and years go by. And the case goes cold. But in 2011, they reopen the case with the cold case unit. And the cold case unit gets the FBI involved. And they do this fucking amazing I thing. I love this. I know. And it's, it's great when, like, at the end of an episode, something amazing happens. To prevent prospective witnesses from comparing notes, FBI agents accompanied by local investigators call on Tim McEnroe and all the other principals in the case at exactly the same time. We didn't want anybody jumping the gun, so we had a time down to the minute they knocked on Tim McEnroe's door, everybody else started interviewing their prospective person. As a result, Margaret's husband, Tim, was named a person of interest. And as a result of the interview that they do with Tim, the husband, he's named officially a person of interest. And best friend Lisa goes, it's about time. <laughs> right. And one of the cops is like, girl, he was always a person of interest. Yeah. We just couldn't really say it out loud, but fuck it. We're doing that now. And like the thing about Tim is that he had always declined taking a polygraph. And I got to say, we can't hold that against him. Yeah. You know, because do I think this guy probably did it? Yes. Yeah. But like not taking a polygraph, we know that they're like polygraphs are shady. But Tim does say, look, I'm not going to take a police polygraph. I will take an independent polygraph, like not connected to the local government. And the cops are like, fine, we'll set that up for you and we'll pay for half. And he's like, I'm actually not actually going to do this. (laughs) I don't want to do that anymore. Thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. And so, yeah. And I just wrote, he bails. Yeah. So they do another ground search. I mean, Warren is 20 miles. and It's they, like 20 square miles. And I couldn't tell if, if the chief was saying that was big or small. I think it's big. He's, and he says, a good portion of the town has been checked. And I was like, can you check all the other portions? <laughs> you, you, did, you did a good I, amount. I know. He just, he just do the rest. Could we do all the other portions? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I just thought we'd do the good portions. <laughs> And so, you know, they get into the fact that this was a very personal case. I mean, she was a firefighter. She was a hero. And there's yeah. that, like, what is that called? That blue coat of honor. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the things that they're saying is that, like, we're a real small town. We don't get a lot of these murders. So yeah. we have the time and the resources to focus on it when it happens. Yeah. Now, why can't you find her? So, unfortunately, Margaret is still missing, and the family would love any answers just so they can properly lay their daughter to rest. So, if anyone has any information regarding this investigation, please reach out to the Warren Township Police Department at 908-753-1000. All calls are confidential. Say something funny. We didn't talk about sex really at all in this episode. I think I'm going to make a habit of that because it was... Yeah, it was real gross for both parties. Yeah, I had to burn sage all over my body, including my no-no place, and it turns out Uh I burned all the sage and your mouth is the problem. (laughs) Bow, 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 bow. You guys, join us on the Patreon. If you think we're having fun here, we're having so much fun on the Patreon as well. Three full ad-free bonus episodes every month, plus our monthly trivia. Plus, look, we got some announcements coming up. And, you know, when things happen, people on the Patreon get first crack at things. Maybe so. we have something that starts with an M and ends with er. <laughs> Could also be that maybe we have something that starts with a T and ends with an or. So who knows? I who don't knows? know. We don't know. Nobody knows. No, what know. we're saying is we are unsure of things. <laughs> Generally. <laughs> That's a good sweeping statement. The one thing we know for sure is that we love you guys. Love you so much. Love you so much. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. And a male from a neighboring town reports a, a male... A male... A, a, a male... Co- <laughs> a, 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 so... <laughs> 
She often looked for escape up a tree. Yeah, he just has no. Do you, you want options? She often looked for escape up a tree. Give us one more. Give us, give us one. She like going... often looked for escape up a tree. And it's Christmas Day. Go on. <laughs> I can't. Daisy, you know what Daisy doesn't need? What? You, Steve, me. Daisy doesn't need anyone. So finally, you could learn a lot from Daisy. Uh, honestly, um, both Daisies. <laughs> Margaret and her husband. Is it Mike? Wait, Ma- uh, Tim is yeah. her husband. So Margaret and her husband. Did Tim, you watch the episode? 